boom, baby. We're back. We are back. Ladies and gentlemen, yep. what episode number are we? 38. Are we're we on sure? question 91, so we're almost on 100 out of a million questions. Which is we're getting there, guys. We're getting there. Do we think... Do we think we will get to 100 episodes by the happening? We got 69 days. Oh, we'll absolutely get to 100 episodes by the happening. What I read something recently, so I did some math. So I saw in a blog report. Oh, by the way, this show is called Bitcoin Q and A. In case, in case the three people watching weren't aware. Um, I saw something recently though that said that we are 21,000 blocks away from the next having. Super exciting. Yeah, I haven't checked recently what the 10 minute projection is. Let's let's have a look here. Looks like April 23rd. I know people are excited because what might happen is you get like this palindrome where we hit it on 420. So April 20th, the having could occur. If we get a little more hash rate online here and we can get that block time down to nine minutes and 50 seconds. I am going to get so uncomfortably high if the halving is on 420. Like we'll have to do a show. We could do it. We could do it on a show. I'm talking like, do you remember, you remember 420 when we were both at BM and I took the mushroom? I don't. It must've been great. (laughs) issue issue oh i do remember that actually we had a show yeah it was not a show i smoked before we intentionally were like let's get high before the show and i wanted to keep smoking but i was at my parents house so i couldn't smoke inside the house and so but the best alternative i could come up with is i'm going to take some mushrooms right now i remember that because the show is early in the morning and then later in the workday we just kind of realized we're, we're kind of useless right now <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to do we did this too early uh yeah that I literally, someone asked me to do something and i was like tomorrow <laughs> yeah, let's do it tomorrow it's a national holiday if you weren't aware <laughs> this is, i mean this is a religious and spiritual holiday for me so according to the first amendment i have the right to exercise that honestly I, this triggered a, a core memory now all of a sudden this idea that holidays are all made up but i remember one time like in my past career past life i asked to leave work early not to have work off just literally leave work two hours early to go home and have dinner with my family on the persian new year mm-hmm. and my boss but it was like go celebrate your made-up holiday and this is like a, a devout Jewish woman who celebrates every Jewish holiday. And I was like, oh, yeah, because Jewish holidays are, are not made up too, right? Like we could literally just arguably make up holidays and justifiably say, well, based on my religious beliefs, this is a this is a moment where I'm supposed to spend with. Honestly, when I have kids one day. That's what gonna, the Europeans do. I'm not going to tell like... them what 420 is. I'm not going to say, hey, we're celebrating this because like your dad was a stoner. And still probably is, but it, you know, I'm gonna take my kids out of school. It's a family holiday. Like this is too important of a day. Let's back up. You're gonna put your kids in the public school system? <laughs> no, 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 I'm gonna be rich enough that they're in private school. Yeah, my kids are gonna be in a pod. Okay, did you? I I just learned about this the other day. Actually, it makes a lot of sense. But if you if you start your own learning pod, I think I think it's called a pod. Like a yeah yeah like a small homeschooling. There's a services now, this is actually a really incredible business where you can 
go type in your jurisdiction, find other people that are kind of like like-minded and want to help like raising and teaching their kids. You know, you can sort all that out. But you can get like a $10,000 coupon for the government to go try out different private schools and even charter your own. I think it was like $10,000, dude. It's a lot because you're paying you're paying taxes to attend the public school. But if you opt out in and more and more states are adopting this. So you can get this coupon to, you know, go fund the first, I don't know, a couple months of a teacher's salary. Or, I mean, just think about how much further that money goes on the free market than when you're just like tossing those taxes into the no, private totally. black I mean, hole it, public education it's, system. Just describe it, it's, it's called school choice. I mean, it's been something that candidly conservatives and people on the right have been asking for for a long time. Like, yeah. I, I kind of actually weirdly do support that. Yeah. The arguments against it of then like a lot of the public schools get left behind this out of the other. My response is what is the result of our current public school system right now? And what do we see right now? And to be honest, like I have some friends who are teachers. Mm-hmm. The number one complaint is always to, they don't make enough money, especially for the value added to our society of the work that they do. Mm-hmm. This actually presents an opportunity for the best teachers to get paid accordingly. Because right now it's it's a tenured position. It's I hey, I've been a teacher for 15 years, so I make more than a teacher for five years, but the teacher for five years could actually have better results, whether it's measured through how many students are graduating, whether it's measured through state sponsored tests, whether it's measured through how many how much they make 10 years down the line, whatever the or five years down the line, whatever the measurement is, like there are teachers who are younger than their job who are performing better, but just make less because that's the way the pay structure is designed there. Yeah. You know, I was, I was a teacher before COVID, not a fully fledged teacher, but I was like in the in-between space. So I was in a school hired full-time out of school. I was like the lowest tier teacher you could get. So I would go basically work with the Dean to the kids that were getting thrown out of class every day, like, all right, you brought a gun to school today. Why did you do that? All right, let's go play basketball. <laughs> you know, it's just like a crazy, crazy job, dude. Like they had a, like a padded room that they would toss these kids that were just like too violent during the day, but they had orders from their parents. Like you can't call the cops on my kid. So the school's okay. So they, they just like, throw them in this room, dude, to calm down. <laughs> like these kids were breaking desk legs off of desks and just like destroying the classroom, like really, really disturbing shit. But the other side of that is yes, teachers aren't paid well, but for the teachers, that is the most money they've ever made in their life. In most cases, it's their first like legitimate job. They're coming saddled with 50 to a hundred grand in debt. <laughs> and they're just like, yes, I've made it. I'm going to lord over these little kids. I don't like that argument because you can literally apply that argument. It, it doesn't it doesn't stop at teachers. What you're really arguing is we can pay first-time workers, workers in their early 20s, workers in their late teens, workers in their 20s, period. Yeah. And just pay them pittances because this is their first job. And yeah. Like that is the inherent flaw in our system right there. Well, I guess what I would add is you get what you pay for. These are not the most qualified people in many cases to teach your kids. What they're doing is not teaching. It's it's a lot of propaganda. It's a lot of pre-mapped. I mean, my kids couldn't even, they couldn't tell time, dude. They couldn't 
they couldn't do anything. They were like utterly addicted to like their cell phones and vapes. And it's totally anecdotal, but it's just, it's a, it's a completely different, like more distractible, more irreverent environment than I, than I grew up in. And it's scary. It's just like government subsidized, like propaganda daycare. And I'm not saying there's not great teachers out there, obviously, that are like changing kids' lives and crushing it. But that's that's the exception. The majority of the rule is like, all right, let's get through this day with no incidents. <laughs> you know, let's not oh. gender anybody, and let's <laughs> let's get through this little lesson book. Um, I can still point back to a handful of teachers I had who like genuinely positively impacted my life and moved it forward for the totally. better. Totally. And then it's like when you actually sit there and you realize, well. In high school, I had roughly six to seven different teachers a year. So let's let's keep it conservative. Let's say 25 teachers all throughout high school. Five of them, five of them I would categorize that, maybe six. And then all of a sudden it's okay. Middle school was the same thing. Elementary school, it was like a, a couple teachers. And then again, it's even fewer teachers at the younger ages. And then to your point, dude, we're, we teach kids to be employees. It like dawned on me one day when I was getting assigned all this busy work again at my old job where I was like, yeah, it was like school where I'm being assigned work that I don't really care about. That doesn't interest me that I don't want to do, but I kind of just have to do it to collect my paycheck, to get a good grade and get my mom off my back. You know what I mean? I like really saw that system and how like I had been led into it. And I was like, this sucks. Now I get why <clears throat> there's a line. It's task grabbing. Yeah. Well, no, there's a line in the movie The Social Network where when the Winklevoss twins go to the dean of Harvard and they talk about how, oh, Mark stole our idea, this, that, or the other. And the dean of Harvard is talking about how, look, this is Harvard. We're not teaching you to be employees. We're teaching you guys to be founders. And if you guys say this was your idea, you can go figure out and make another idea. So... I thought that was a really telling and very subtle line of the difference between certain and Harvard is a poor example, given the state of where that institution is today, right now, but it's just by, by. Yeah. by and large, it is, it shows you at least there is a difference. There are some institutions that are sort of regurgitating and <clears throat> an employee. They are teaching you to go beyond that. Yeah, but like those those institutions endowments are so large, dude, that I mean this is so this is a super yeah, of course. This is a super complicated topic, but it's just you know there's a problem when you've got there's like 20 staff for one student at Yale, maybe more, maybe more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not it's not a university, it's a city like it, it's a fully funded like mafia of professors well here's a, here's an interesting thing so i'll i'll give chamath the the shout out for explaining this on an episode of the all in podcast and then i kind of i went back and looked at other examples and like kind of confirmed mm -hmm. what he was saying but the real reason university endowments have blown up is specifically because students cannot declare bankruptcy on their student loan debt and why? And this is this is the thread that you kind of have to follow there. If a student declares bankruptcy, now it's assumed that kind of what we said, it's a student. They probably never had a job, or if they did, it wasn't like a full-time, high-paying job. It was part-time, maybe an internship, minimum wage, whatever it is. It was a very low-paying job. So they off the bat, 
they don't have a lot of assets necessarily. If you're in student loan debt, mommy and daddy didn't fund your college. They're not paying for things. So like those types of things are all out the door automatically. So you're essentially graduating with, with negative balance, not a zero balance. You have nothing to your name and you're just working to get out of the negative. But if you declare bankruptcy, well, the collectors have to come and collect from somewhere. And this time with student loan debt, the collectors are the government. It's not the bank. So it can be a little different and tricky, but the government can actually get to places that <clears throat> banks and collectors necessarily can't. And the government has to point to someone and hold them at fault for, hey, this loan was taken out, but it did not fulfill its obligation. And the mm -hmm. only person, or I should say the only institution in an instance where a student takes out student loan debt under the promise of if you come and get this degree, you will get a high paying job, but they didn't. And as a result, they have to default on that debt. Well, who's actually responsible? It's the university that gave them the degree. And so all of these ballooned, ballooned freaking, uh, oh my God, I'm saying another word right now, endowments. All of the balloon endowments mm. are a direct result of the student loan debt crisis and specifically the fact that students cannot declare bankruptcy on it. Because if they could, the clawbacks will be coming out of those endowments. And that is why, that is why very specifically, like someone like Elizabeth Warren, who, this is, this is weird. Not only is Harvard University, which makes sense, she's from Mass, she used to teach it. They're one of her top donors. But so is the UC school system. And then my favorite one comes in number 20 on her list of top 20 donors, the University of Texas in Austin. The University of Texas is one of Elizabeth Warren's largest donors. Why? Because this is not a woman who preaches, oh, let's declare bankruptcy on student loan debt. Let these kids get out of this debt and build a life. No, let's forgive the debt. Let's forgive the debt because it protects the endowments and it protects her big donors. UT Austin is one of the largest endowments in the world, due in large part because they're uh, drilling for oil on campus, but still they want to protect that endowment. Right. So, yeah, it makes sense, man. Shout out to default. Uh, there's a Bitcoiner and a bit of a shit corner in this space who at one point in his life, he, he, he was a hacker. He was an anonymous, didn't agree with their ethics, broke up, formed his own hacker groups, but he broke into a university's admin dashboard. He had a, he had a cloud cluster and like one of the, <clears throat> you know, they commandeered it. So <clears throat> one of the networks was university breaks into the admin dashboard and he forgave like hundreds of thousands of student loan debt just by fucking deleting it. <laughs> there were no backup records of it. So these students just all of a sudden had no, no payments to make nothing, which is hilarious. I mean, I don't think I'm definitely not in the camp where I think that these kids deserve to have their debt forgiven or be bailed out by Biden or anything like that. Like I'm, I'm not here trying to subsidize other people's education with my tax dollars. That's a choice they made, but, but I feel for them too, because they were not in a place to make a wise decision there. Like no one is, it's a, it's a funnel that you're, if you fall at a certain social economic status, it seems like the only route to take is to take on massive debt, try to get this degree that's going to land you a, well, a job that pays way less than you're being told on your first day. <laughs> there are, I was explaining this, there are realistically only two ways to move your family up in economic class. First, very obvious, make a 100x leverage. No, oh, make yeah. a lot of money. <laughs> the other way 
in this country and throughout the better part of modern society, and I would, I would go so far back as to say even the last like arguably 500 years, maybe not 500 because not a lot of these institutions have been around for that long, but like education. And I'm not necessarily saying that you had to go to university, but like getting an education had historically helped you move your family up an economic class. And so that is why there is this weight on an education system. I mean, the idea of tax dollars for giving student, student loans or not, like I always, I'm always open to it, open to admitting the fact that I stand to benefit if student loan debt is forgiven. Like I've got a certain amount left based on what Biden promised the last time around. I actually qualified for the full $20,000 forgiveness and I would have been out of student loan debt. I literally would have been forgiven. I would have been done. And my argument is always, it's not as though they're not going around forgiving debts. It's not as though this is the only debt that's on the table. It's Mm -hmm. this was on the table as we're forgiving PPP loans, as we're issuing bailouts to different companies that were uh, dragged down by COVID, as we're various other government subsidies that were being offered just it's and giggles candidly like our 1700 or 1200 dollars checks that we were being just issued for fun so oh we got to go back and see what that's worth in bitcoin now i haven't checked well, in a long you, time. you remember that twitter account was it a twitter account i thought there was a website i used to check because i i i put all my stimulus checks into bitcoin and i'm curious where it's at well it it, it would be up about $1,200 stimulus is now worth, it was a Twitter account. They have it. 1800 two grand. So it was about 18, Bitcoin no, was like 18 to 20K when these came out, if I remember. This was no, early 2020. Really? It was less. Interesting. I think it was like- Okay, 70. so it was before the bull run. Okay, so you're up like 100%. That's sick. Bro, you're up 500%. If you literally no. just- if you put twelve hundred dollars on Bitcoin at seven k and Bitcoin's at over thirty, oh, it was seven k. Yeah, you said seventeen. Oh, Whoa. I'm, okay, it crazy. was like sub ten. The first stimulus check was. The first stimulus check was sub ten. Got it. Got it. Okay, so you really hit the bull market. All right, that's awesome. We gotta. I gotta dip out a little early today, so let's dig into some of our other stories. Do we want to start first with the with the advertisers, freedom of speech, Elon? Sure. All right. So everyone's probably seen it. Elon had a pretty hilarious, bold video, you know, super uh, interesting one-on-one, like high stakes interview, I guess you'd call it if it was anyone else in that chair. I think it was part of the the deal book conference, but it basically just told advertisers blatantly to go fuck yourself uh, for trying to, as he says, blackmail him, which that um, terminology, I didn't really understand. I mean, they're they're paying for some value. I mean, they have a right to ask for, I assume they're, they're asking him to make certain moves, but the problem I have with his posturing here, I mean, it was cool to see like kind of base speech. Of, of course he really, you know, shook up mainstream media with it, but X is not a freedom of speech platform. In my opinion, it can never be. This is completely corporate captured and the pressures on this institution 
are different. Now, Elon doesn't seem set on running it profitably, which alleviates him certainly from a lot of that pressure and is his general kind of irreverence and kind of like singular attitude in the space as an entrepreneur, just that his like wealth and, you know, success has afforded him. I think it alleviates a lot of potential censorship. But the problem is you're still you're you're on a platform that stores your information, your username and password on, you know, a centralized server that's captured by a corporation that will disenfranchise you in time. So it's not that there's freedom of speech. It's just that he's tailored the speech that's allowed to suit more people than the previous regime. I mean, I think it's safe to say, I mean, I actually haven't looked into this. This would be interesting to check what the user, you know monthly average users now versus during Jack's reign were, you know, that fluctuates. But I think I think the people who are there who are aligned with Elon certainly feel like they have freedom of speech. But you, it's, it's not about your feelings. It's about whether or not you can be disenfranchised by the will of a few or in this case, maybe just one person. And that's absolutely still the case on Twitter. Accounts are banned all the time. Accounts are shit. Go look at my account, dude. It might be a function of the market and my shitty tweets, but you know, for you know, tens of thousands of followers, only get like a couple like 10, 20 likes. It's because I post about Noster a lot. I mean, that's part of the read. Like there's a whole algorithmic game you have to play. If you don't play it, you're not gonna get any visibility. But like you can you can see, but I guess a right to say something is not the same thing as a, a right to be seen. But I don't think you can just say anything on this platform. We've got people that are banned all the time. We've got What's that guy's name who was kicked off just for saying bring back the guillotine? He was kicked off Twitter. His account was uh, deleted. I don't necessarily agree with the shadow banning, but this idea that like everyone gets shadow banned if their tweets aren't being seen, like I'd say over half of these people who are going around, like, oh, I've been shadow banned. For yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you just, you don't say interesting things and people don't care to hear you say right. Things. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not playing the game right. They're, they're, yeah, yeah that's. I know, I know you acknowledge that too, but I really want to make a clear point that, like, the the fact of the matter is, social media is not their job. Is not everyone's post has to be seen by everyone. Theoretically, yeah. the argument of freedom of speech on social media is just you should have the right to say it, but beyond that. They, like they shouldn't suppress it. They shouldn't um, downvote it. The algorithm Whoa. shouldn't fuck with it. Even but, community uh, notes is a little bit of an infraction of this. Oh, I love community they, notes. I, I don't hate it, but the problem is your, your content, like your original, what you wanted to say is changed. If I append endnotes to a book that changes the book <laughs> you know that's not exactly freedom of speech i mean it's like a it's like a rebuttal from like a censoring god like it's it's i'm not saying it's a a good or bad thing i'm just saying in the end you'll never have complete freedom of speech on twitter i don't know if that's something people want or not but this is a this is much like tesla in the early this is a false advertising campaign elon's very good at this I promise, you know, we're supposed to be on Mars right now. We're the blind people are supposed to be able to see thanks to Neuralink by now. You know, we, he ought to have cured can He's, He makes a lot of claims that are catchy sound bites take off in the media. Um, and now people are actually, you know, going the other way. Advertisers are leaving Twitter for this quote unquote, like freedom of speech stance. And it's just not, 
it's not there. It can never be there, guys. The only alternative to this, Bitcoin, freedom of speech protocol. No, sir, freedom of speech protocol. It's protocols, not platforms. Platforms, especially that are tied up in corporate entities, whether public or private, you're always subject to being disenfranchised by the will of a few. It's it's just, it's not possible for this to be, you know, the freedom zone that you think it is. So I would encourage people that are listening that maybe have never tried Noster to go over and give it a shot because it is free. There's no one who can keep you from using the platform and posting whatever you want to, whatever you want to post. And your, your identity and reputation are not, as long as you keep your private key private, you're not, you're not subject to get rug pulled here. So it looks about three and a half hours ago, you were having a conversation with Peter Zion because Peter Zion just sent a tweet out saying, I'm done with Twitter. (laughs) Who the hell is Peter Zion? You would, he's the guy who goes on Joe Rogan and shits on Bitcoin a lot. Um, Oh yeah. This guy's dumb, dumb. Yeah, yeah. So that's, listen to this guy before. <laughs> that's that's the camp you're arguing for right now. I just want to read you the. He put I clicked the link, um, but I'm put, not saying. Look, I'm not advocating people leave Twitter forever. I'm just saying I it's not what you think it is. Go ahead, go I, ahead. I want to break down his reasons because uh, his reasons. Some of them I think you'll agree with, but I I'd like to see if you agree with all of them. Um, mm-hmm. Number one is misinformation. The lax content moderation policies have opened the floodgates of disinformation. Um, the, the, disinformation is not real. That's not a real thing. Let's, let's look at it from the, his misinformation claim. Do you feel like there's more misinformation on Twitter? Yes or no? I would have no idea how to even approach that question because most of what occurs on Twitter is like microblogging. A lot of it's nonsense. A lot of it is kind of um, insider speak for a small group of people. Like I would have no idea what people are talking about if you go outside your circle. You know what I mean? So it's I don't think that matters. Like the moderation conversation is something completely different. You know what I mean? That's that falls more into the you you think you have an inherent right to be seen, right? fair i would i would argue that like the best example of this and i believe it was michael schellenberg writing about it but over the course of the gaza palestine israel conflicts that we've been seeing there's been a lot of information that comes out is broadcast and then we find out like 12 or 24 hours later hey actually that was that was bad intel and the Mm -hmm. mainstream media companies have been very poor about retractions about very poor about correcting their information but to the point of content moderation to the point of misinformation to the point of these community notes the community notes have actually been first and quicker in issuing these sort of like corrections or it's not a redaction because they allow the post to exist but they show you i guess what the community is responding to this post with like what is what the other narrative is what another perspective is what the truth is whatever however you want to frame it i do think though the tool of community notes at least in that aspect is immensely helpful when the other option we have right now is zero accountability hmm is there a a question in there no, that's just like my statement. You can agree or disagree. Yeah. 
I don't know. Look, I just think my stance is just that I think the the expectations that people have are misguided. I think it's silly to think to have ever thought that the <laughs> mainstream media these are these these are just businesses. They don't have your best interest in mind. They don't have any like your expectation that they're what they're telling you is like true and accurate is ridiculous. It's insane. It never will be. It never has been. I also don't think there is some kind of inherent truth in here. This is a little bit more radical stance, I think, but it's just like all of this information recreating history through any sort of media is a fabrication and a fiction in itself. That's not what actually occurred. Time passes. You can't claw it back. So you take a bias just by choosing what to cover. Of course, right? that is that's moderation. And that is that is what all of these companies are in the business in. So I don't have I don't really have different expectations of them. What I'm saying is Twitter can't and never will be freedom of speech because it's not it's not a freedom open source protocol. It's not distributed. There's no mechanism for users to own their accounts and their data. And you're you're subject to censorship. Now, now a censor that chooses not to censor you is is still a censor. <laughs> you know, just because you, you're saying and doing the right things doesn't mean that your opinions will always be in vogue. So I'm just pointing out the future risk. I mean, my position is you'll all be disenfranchised in good time. Like the, the Elon regime is not forever. You know, his the narratives that he needs to craft to accomplish his goals are not always going to align with yours. And when you find yourself on the other side of that, especially if you've built like some kind of, you know, big following or maybe business off the back of X is at risk like it's it's a real it's a real existential risk for you as a user yeah I, like i would even challenge you though like you know those of you listening the those of us talking tino any of any of us in the bitcoin space especially we i think kind of know these things to be true we know the media has alternative incentives you know, we know how these sort of things have been captured both by regulators as well as just within themselves with the centralized control that we see and sort of the values that a lot of these businesses for some reason decided that they need to push values almost in the way like the churches were doing 500 years ago. That's where we're at. We're at a point where the shift of power, we went 500 years ago, 600 years ago, or I guess I guess the Renaissance was 1400, so 700, no, 600 years ago. Mm -hmm. 600 years ago, we saw this almost shift slowly out, out of religion and then into centralized governments over the course of a couple of centuries. And now we've reached a point where over the last century, I would argue, and then we're really picking up the pace now, we're going from that centralized control out of the government's hands, but this time to that corporation's hands, businesses' hands. Like these are the people, like this is where we're actually absorbing our values from, from the media companies that we consume from, from the social media companies that we watch, from the movie and TV studios that create content that we like to absorb, from the food manufacturers that we buy food from. Like they are pushing a value set onto us akin to what we saw government push values onto us for centuries, akin to what we saw religious organizations and groups and churches push forward to citizens centuries before that. So it's like this, it feels like we're reaching a point where we're, it's almost like a, 
I hate to say it like this, but it's like a weird natural progression where individuals, society, for some reason, a long time ago decided, I don't want to be in charge of deciding my values. I want someone else to decide them for me. And over the oh, course- Oh yeah, that's always been a, that's always been a trade-off that people have made. No, of course. But then as a result, you know, it started with religion. Mm-hmm. Then it changed to government. And now we're at a point where it's literally like Apple is telling you what's good and bad. Think about that. Yeah. Wild times, polytheistic culture. You know, people serve a lot of different gods. The state can't really keep up or compete on that level. They're just not, they're just not competent enough in terms of like media arm vessels. I don't know, man. It's all a psyop. I can't wait for the day. You'll know I made it when I just disappear from the internet. Get to a certain number. Stop using all this stuff. It's just so incredibly unhealthy. I delete. I've deleted Instagram on my phone again, and I like already feel better. Me too. Me too. Yeah, that's great. Well, moving on. I don't want to spend all our time on Elon here. We got about fifteen minutes left, and I definitely wanted to cover what's going on with Ocean. So you saw this. I think we were off the day that they actually launched, but Ocean. Is pretty Elijah's pool is uh, coming back. This is Luke Dash Jr.'s resurrected mining pool. I guess the 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 core features that are there or are coming that are interesting to people is the the block templates open, so you can form your own block template, and you there's there's not custody of your funds, so you can get Bitcoin as you mine directly from the Coinbase, like Virgin Bitcoins. They're not held up at a third party or a pool waiting for a payout. The problem is right now, the this isn't fully implemented as I understand it. So you do actually have to meet a threshold to get a withdrawal. And then they, I think they pull that withdrawal direct from the Coinbase at the time that, that you meet it. Anything under that right now, I guess is technically stuck, but the, the cool feature is they're, they're, they're going to integrate lightning. I don't know how technically they're going to do this yet. There's been a lot of debate. This is kind of the curious thing that, that, that we'll see, but they're going to integrate lightning so that you can I think also there's got to be some kind of custody mechanism there because I don't know how the channels are open and closed between pool users to make withdrawals that are sub like 0.01 Bitcoin or whatever. So interestingly, it's marketed as like a decentralized, more ethical pool for people to join. And I think like I've said in previous shows, there's a lot of miners out there whose first choice for a pool to mine from was Luke's pool back in the day. So the minute they went online, all their hash power actually could just convert, they click a button, it just switches to ocean and you're mining from ocean. It's very simple to set up. Here's the controversial and interesting part, which came out basically over the last day. It turns out that their implementation, if I understand it, does not parse transactions past or, or relay them past a certain op return. Basically it's used as a filtering mechanism to keep inscriptions out of their block template, like inscription transaction. So if you're keeping inscriptions out of your transactions, the users of your pool are forgoing fees. So if Ocean finds a block, you've got a block minus all this opportunity cost of fees that all the uh, ordinal people are, are using. Obviously, this is kind of, it's interesting 
it's kind of backwards from the way they, the whole premise of ocean was to be censorship resistant and to further distribute the, the pools. But if this is, if this is the case, if they're doing this, that's, that's moderation. It's, it's, it's censorship. It's a little bit backwards. They're taking an ideological stance, which actually contributes to the cause they're fighting against because think about all the pools that are pro inscription and that say okay we're not censoring transactions we're agnostic to you don't even have to be pro inscription we're just agnostic to that we don't care these are fucking bitcoin transactions yeah we want the fees yes we want those fees that are higher than the fucking block reward we want that extra 6.578 bitcoin that we've seen at times <laughs> like of course we're a business so it's very odd to me as a new pool because you see they're deferring those 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 transactions. The other pools can reliably say, okay, great. This lowers if if Ocean is able to capture a significant amount of hash rate, this lowers their you know probability of pulling in those blocks because they're not going to they're not going to reap those fees. So this is this is even better for the miners that are agnostic to or even pro inscriptions. It's not a comment on what I think they should do. I just think it's an interesting move because as a new pool. You have to incentivize people to want to use you. And if off the bat, you're starting with a disincentive of where actually you're not going to get these insane, these insane fees that the inscribers are, you know, whatever you think, bloating the chain with, like kind of makes me want to point my hash rate where I'm going to get the most bang for my buck. It's a close margin business. But my curiosity also is how the hell is Ocean going to get ahead? If they're censoring transactions like this and the only like good rebuttal i've gotten to this online i asked the question i mean i'm not trying to start a a fight or something and i don't ideologically care one way or another whether they choose to uh, take inscription transactions or not the only rebuttal i've gotten is people think that there are so many bitcoiners out there and miners that are overwhelmingly against inscriptions that they're going to forgo those fees willingly get less money for their hash rate, join Ocean as a form of protest and grow the pool that way. So they think it's they think it's a feature, not a bug. I guess we'll see what happens, but I'm inclined to think, okay, well, now you're not thinking in the adversarial, like self-interested way that Bitcoiners are, I guess, historically known for thinking in because you're, yeah, you're getting less bang for your hash rate. So... I don't know. We'll see what happens right now. What do you think about all this? Q? Have you looked into ocean at all? I'm going to pull it up uh, and see how many people are using them. So I've been following this for a little bit that I think the, the nuanced details of it to me are a little bit more noise. I think the signal really is kind of like what you described. This is a Bitcoin mining business, so it's not a nonprofit. They are running this for profit, and they are electing to ignore. This is a pool, though. Well, it's fine. Sorry, it's a it's a mining pool, but it mm -hmm. everyone who contributes to this pool shares it's in giving the fees to the yeah. So there is an element of this where, to your point, like you are limiting the maximum amount you can make. To be honest with you, I, I think this is like the epitome of what a free market needs to look like, is there yep. needs to be products and businesses for people 
who are vehemently against ordinals, who genuinely believe the only way to sort of get rid of this spam on the blockchain is to not even participate in the uh, additional block reward that you receive. And there are going to be some people who love this and want this. And I'm sure there will be other people who don't really care and see it as an opportunity to make more money or earn more Bitcoin. And then they will go and find these pools that won't censor those transactions. And we can allow the market, dude, for all we know, in five years time, brain is the dominant pool because everyone wanted that. Or brain goes under in six months because everyone's like, dude, I can get more fees if I go and link with a different pool. So it is, mm-hmm. to me, to me, it's more important rather than to cast judgment on, I don't like that business model. This is the free market working in real time, that there are products and businesses that you as a Bitcoiner may not necessarily agree with, want or need, but it's going to exist in the ecosystem, just like ordinals were. There are plenty of people who myself included were like, this is kind of dumb. This is, this feels like we're not innovating to grow. We're just kind of like dicking or gra- dicking around waiting for a bull run. If I'm just being completely honest here, mm-hmm. that's my opinion. And there are plenty of people who made a shit ton of money on ordinals and my hat goes off to you because I wish I did. Like I, I can own that, but that's the free market. So that, that's just sort of, that's my genuine belief on this. There's, yeah, I hear you there again. This isn't a, this is just an open question. I'm just curious to see what will happen because at the, like, as of right now, there's 239 petahashes of hash rate pointed to ocean. I'm a little surprised actually that there's only, there's only 15 entities using this pool today, unless their, their public dashboard is off. There's only 15 contributors. And shout out, shout out to the smallest contributor has almost 4,000 terahashes, which is pretty cool. So there's a couple like home miners out there. I'm going to be one of them. This pool did excite me to finally, I've been talking about it for a year and I haven't pulled the trigger. I finally bought miners and I'm finally going to start mining in a couple of weeks when they get here. So I'm super excited about this. But for comparison, 239 petahashes amp pool has 127 exahashes of hash rate. And I don't expect this competition to pop up overnight, but you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see as the, I guess the marketing and, and the users of this pool start to talk about it, how it grows. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy for them. And overall, I'm, I'm super excited, like you said, to just have a little bit more diversity in the marketplace and give people more options. That was the point of this thing is, Hey, you don't want to, you don't want to point at these big four pools. Let's start something new. Let's try to distribute this a little more, get more people mining at home, make it as simple as possible and, you know, open up, open up the specs and open up the block template for people to construct their own blocks. So pretty fun stuff. Now we've I think before we wrap, cause I know we got only five minutes left before you got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about FUD going around. Shout out our oh, boy the... Nick Hoffman for pointing this out, but like literally Jack Dorsey, Luke, Luke Dasher Jr. And, and all the guys behind Ocean Mining have that 
have their announcement, the, the silly video of them trying to crack a bottle of champagne. And then within 24 hours, every major media publication and outlet is saying how Bitcoin mining uses too much water. Water. We don't use too much electricity anymore, people. It's now we use too much water. Move that goalpost over just a little bit more, please. It, it's It's funny to me. And I'm sure it is to a degree to you because it's we see through it. But the uncomfortable truth is, like, I would hear it all the time from Normie friends of like, yeah, but Bitcoin uses too much electricity. Like, we can't, like, that's not a sustainable thing. It's, oh, buddy boy. Like, I don't even try to unpack it anymore. And it, it's very obvious these attacks and the intent of what these attacks are trying to do to it stoke fear in people fear, uncertainty, doubt. So I say, just laugh about it. Let's, let's all go buy a pool. Like I, who was it? Someone sent a tweet yesterday. I don't remember who, but it, like the joke was like the bull market of 2020 was we're all getting girlfriends and the bull market of 2024 is we're all getting pools. I like it. Everyone, <laughs> one who's watching, if you have a pool, please tag McShane and I on your favorite social media platform, whether it's Noster, Twitter, something from Mark Zuckerdick, whatever whatever your heart desires, tag tag us in a picture of your pool. Or if you feel so kind, feel free to Photoshop us into your pools. No, not your mining pools. There's some interesting comments from Giacomo right here. So the reason so right now, Ocean is is set to go live with Stratum V2 at some point in the future. So that's like the marketing thing, right? Right now, they use Knots. Knots by default has like policies in the mempool that exclude, I guess what the detractors would call spam candidates and inscriptions. And there's another, there's another argument out there that I should surface, which is that many of the huge outrageous fees you see for inscriptions, sometimes these are paid off band. So that value wouldn't accrue if you had gone and joined that pro inscription pool anyway. So it might not be like, it would be interesting to compare the numbers between like off band transactions that are paid directly to the brains or something versus, you know, what's happening on chain and how the pools uh, extract more value from the spam or inscriptions as you want to call it. So it's just an interesting, interesting tension there at Ocean between being censorship resistant, but also right now pretty much functioning as like a, a centralized moderator of transactions. I don't know. Excited for him. Excited, excited for the future of this man, and especially for this mining journey I'm about to embark on. So, yeah, that's about that's about it for me today. I think that'll that'll do it. I know you got you got a meeting. I got a meeting, guys. If you are not, and if there's a single girl out there watching us. Please smash that subscribe button. Stop watching it on McShane's Zap.Stream. Feel free to hop on over to the Bitcoin Q&A channel. We have our own Noster. Be sure you're following that. We have a Twitter. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow. Catch you later. Thanks for joining.